Hello and welcome to the Draft Good Players podcast. We made it. The NFL season starts this week. Just a few days from right now, the Rams and the Bills will kick off on Thursday night and start a brand new season and a brand new fantasy football season. And I am hopefully just as excited as you are about this. Uh, let, but let's, we're going to break down a lot of things on the show today. And, you know, as we've talked about, there's a kind of a dichotomy that exists between the Monday show and the Wednesday show on this feed. On Wednesday, you get Ray G, you get Keith Sanchez, and they're going to just break down individual players or situations. It's a Draft Good Players podcast, and there's going to be information and breakdowns and news about individual players for dynasty, for long term outlook. But we don't want to forget about those dudes. They got to set your lineups this year. Like, yeah, you have a dynasty outlook, but you want to win right now, right? Or at least I hope you do. Uh, even for those of you that are trying to like, push years into the future, you're hoping that you're going to have enough good players on your roster or those guys emerge. So we're going to give you that sort of help every single week um, as we break down some of these games. Now, going forward, we're going to come out with our Monday show, and we're basically going to break down everything you need to know. What was important from the week that was? What was not as important? What do you need to monitor? What do you need to do right now? And what can you kind of sit back and wait on? But... We have something a little bit special today because the season hasn't started yet, because there were no preseason games in the NFL this past week. We can just kind of break down what you should do week one. And so I want to take that opportunity to get into it, discuss some of my rankings for week one that you can see over on the draftnetwork.com and on Fantasy Pros as well. If you look up in the half PPR section, you can you can find my rankings there. But it's super easy just to find them under the Fantasy tab at the draftnetwork.com. You can see my rankings by position what their matchup is, and where I am relative to the rest of the expert fantasy football community in terms of ECR. You can see all of that at thedraftnetwork.com. But now that I've got that plug out of the way, I got another plug for you. And by the way, this is one that you can make some money on. I can't guarantee it because, you know, you, you got you to make the right picks and all. But put it this way, I'm already up on the season, which is bad sign because I usually get my you-know-what handed to me in college football. NFL and player props are where it's at, but... Lou Nichols, touchdown props, worked out really well for me this past week at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, events, and more with first to market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, golf, college football, everything that you might want to bet on. Bet Online contains the top resources that you need to make informed betting decisions and get all the sports information that you need from live in-game betting, props, futures, and more. Head on over to BetOnline today and use our promo code BELIEVE50, that is B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BELIEVE50, 50%. BetOnline, where the game starts, and because it always continues to be such an easy transition. Let's just go right into where we're going to start today and where the NFL season is going to start. And that is at the home of the Los Angeles Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions. They go up against the Buffalo Bills. And in this matchup here, it's interesting. Uh, You know, this is a line that has kind of moved for those of you that 
want to go on bet online and kind of use some of the information. This this line at what at one point was the Rams minus one. We saw it pick them for a long time. Now the Bills are almost a field goal favorites here on the road. Obviously, the Bills are the pretty much consensus Super Bowl favorites across all sports books across the country. We have heard some issues about uh, Matthew Stafford's arm and kind of trying to see what that is going to be and the managing that. And quite frankly, sometimes we have seen Sean McVay's teams come out slow because he does not play any starters of significance at all in the preseason. So all of those things are kind of factored in this game. But for fantasy purposes, uh, look, you're, if you draft a Josh Allen, you're starting Josh Allen. I don't think I need to tell you that. I'm not going to spend any more time on this. However, you might want to rethink Matthew Stafford. Now, Matthew Stafford comes in as my QB 16 for the week, which, again, might be a little bit of a surprise for you and really, quite frankly, might lend you to have some pause in single quarterback leagues, particularly family leagues where you know maybe not as many quarterbacks are drafted. You might have some better options elsewhere like I I don't see a 20 point performance coming from Matthew Stafford in this game you know last season Buffalo's defense allowed uh, just under 14 percent fewer fantasy points than league average to quarterbacks last year now you know Trey White status all of that all those things kind of factor into you know when he went in when he went out last year and all of that but it's quite frankly it's not a good matchup for Matthew Stafford you know, you love the weapons, you love what he has there, but I would be at least if you have some of these other options on your bench, if you have a Kirk Cousins, for example, if you have a Tom Brady, if you have a, you know, a Trey Lance, maybe even a Derek Carr, I would be willing to kind of consider playing all of those guys over Matthew Stafford this week, but just something to kind of keep an eye on. This is a tough matchup for him. He'll be you know, obviously a, a guy that's hanging around the top 12 closer to the season, but you might actually, it's one of the rare times where you might actually have a better option heading into week one that's sitting on your bench or sitting on waiver wire. So just something to be aware of there. Uh, you know, on the running back side of things, we're all kind of anticipating and waiting to see how much of a workload Cam Akers gets. Obviously, we saw him come back late last season, and which was nice. We wanted to see at least, we didn't go into the whole offseason of not knowing how he looked. Want to see kind of what the RB splits there, how much he can be potentially used in this matchup as well. Uh, you know, he comes in for me as the running back 15 for him. Again, not a great matchup, but perfectly fine for him. On the Buffalo side, I think we're all just excited to see how James Cook is used. Uh, I'm not sure anybody here is super excited to start either Devin Singletary or James Cook in these games. Both of those guys are outside of my top 35 running backs for this week, but I want to see not even so much of a fantasy performance, but I want to see what James Cook's role in this offense is going to be. If you listen to previous the TDN Fantasy Podcast or some of the other ones on the Draft Network's network like Draft Dudes, it's been obvious that Buffalo has a role in mind. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick this offseason, and quite frankly, they probably thought they signed J.D. McKissick this offseason before he did an about face to go back to Washington. But that falls through. They take James Cook at the end of the second round, whose calling card, quite frankly, is, is his receiving ability. So that tells me that Sean McDermott and company have something specific in mind for that role in the offense. And we saw Devin Singletary have a little bit of an uptick in receiving production late last year. Nothing that, you know, nothing to write home about, but 
I would say a little bit more than insignificant. So I'm very curious to see. We, we've heard about this three-headed monster and, and Zach Moss's inclusion in this, where this all shakes out. Is James Cook playing in the two-minute drill? Is James Cook playing on third downs? Is he playing on only third and long? Is, he come, is it a drive-by-drive basis? Is it a situational basis? We're not going to get all those answers in week one, especially on a rookie. You got to remember that. Workloads are going to increase and change as the season goes on. But I am very, very intrigued about seeing where those guys land. And on the wide receiver side of things, look, it's all eyes this offseason in the fantasy community. I've been on Gabriel Davis. Like, let's be perfectly honest. There's been no more mid-level. And and I say mid-level. Like, we're not talking the elite options. We're not talking Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase or or guys of that caliber. But of that mid-level guys in fantasy Nobody has been talked up more this offseason than Gabriel Davis, who had obviously an unbelievable uh, playoff game the last time that we saw him. He's the guy that everybody's been kind of waiting to break out. He's the clear number two option behind Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. People are really excited uh, about what Gabriel Davis can do this year. I am as my wide receiver 26 for this week. I expect to see him in a lot of wide receiver two, a lot of flex spots for people uh, against the Rams. We're going to kind of get the first chance to see if the hype is going to live up. And again, when I say we're going to see, it's not all, all right, I, I understand at the end of the day, it's all about the amount of fantasy points they score. We're, we're not playing a game of hypotheticals. We're not playing a game of, oh, he looked good or he ran the right route. I, I get it. I get it. But I also don't want there to be an overwhelming, incorrect overreaction after one week. Guys, great players have bad weeks all the time. Bad players have good, great weeks all the time. You know, we need to temper some of these expectations. But we can learn a lot about if a guy is ready. We can learn a lot about if a guy has progressed or what his role in the offense can be. We can learn a lot in week one and, quite frankly, a must-win week one and, quite frankly, a game that should be close. You know, I might be a little bit worried if, if the Bills were playing Houston – and you're like, eh, I mean, you know, maybe they get up big, but if the, you know, they're going to be up big at halftime and they're probably going to run the ball and we might only get to see a couple quarters of what they're at. This is a huge game for both teams. These are two teams with Super Bowl aspirations. And even though it's an out of conference game, it's still a huge game to open the season. There's going to be a lot of hype. And neither one of these teams wants to start over one. I know that's obvious, but like when you have Super Bowl expectations and you're, you're A, coming off Super Bowl victory like the Rams and B, Super Bowl favorites like the Bills. You don't want to start the season with an L because that pressure immediately gets ratcheted way back up, way more than it should, quite frankly. But I'm excited to see Gabriel Davis. We're now not quite sure if Isaiah Isaiah McKenzie is going to play or not, but that slot role in Buffalo is going to be very intriguing. How often does Josh Allen target either Isaiah McKenzie or or Jamison Crowder in those spots? Uh, I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out for Buffalo. So that is the big Thursday night game. Let's kind of go through some of these other games this week. Eagles and Lions is going to be an exciting game as well. You kind of know what to do with a lot of these players. You're playing A.J. Brown. You're playing Jalen Hurts. You're playing DeAndre Swift. The questions come in is what should you do with the Philadelphia running backs? That is probably the biggest question. And I wish I had a good answer for you because I really don't. like. I, I, I like the Philadelphia running game. And I think this is where stuff gets really difficult because you know Philadelphia wants to run the ball. I think they're going to be able to run the ball fairly successfully in this game. 
But like Miles Sanders has, and quite frankly, even you know last year, and I know Detroit's made some changes on defense, and and I don't think they'll be like this this year. But you know, last year the Lions allowed eleven point two percent more fantasy points per game to running backs than the league average. So that that's not an insignificant piece of 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 data. You know, uh, I mean, they've allowed a significantly more uh, you know uh, content there. Uh, I should say production there. I, I just. You know, Sanders has been dealing with injuries like his whole career, all offseason. You know they're going to use Sanders. You know they're going to use Gainwell. Boston Scott's going to have a role. I, I just don't know if I'm going to feel comfortable playing any of these guys. I, I have Miles Sanders as my RB30 for the week. I have Kenny Gainwell as my RB41. I just I just don't know that you're going to feel confident playing any one of these guys. And and I can see as the season plays out, as we learn more information, as potential flex options once bye week starts or injuries hit. But at this stage of the year, week one out of the gate, I bet you have better options. And you're going to hear me say this a lot this season, but you probably have a better option at wide receiver for your flex spot than if you're playing a third running back. Like I'm just, that's all, again, not always. Everybody's team's unique and different and special. I know, but more often than not, I think you're gonna have you're gonna rather you like your wide receiver options at flex than your running back options there. Uh, and from a wide receiver standpoint, I'm to me I am very curious to see what the deal is with both uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Devonta Smith guys going into to year two. We saw Amon Ross St. Brown take a massive workload jump. Uh, in the back half of last season and was quite frankly a league winner with the amount of production he put up. Now, we don't have the full cachet of Lions weapons yet. We have DJ Chark that's going to be there in addition to Monroe St. Brown, but Jamison Williams is not going to play at least the first few weeks of the season. So we could talk in October, we could talk in November about what Amon Ross St. Brown's workload might look like when Jamison Williams gets back in the fold. But right now at this very moment, I'm very curious to see what he's able to do. Uh, I think he's going to be a solid wide receiver three slash flex play this week, depending on how many rosterable wide receivers you're allowed to start on a given week. I I do not. He will have big games and he'll get some workload, but I do not expect him to be like this top 15 wide receiver that he was playing like last season. Devonta Smith to me is a guy that I've I've struggled with all offseason because I really believe in his talent. The concern I have with him from a fantasy perspective is that the Eagles are, A, only going to pass the ball so much because of, obviously, Nick Sirianni wants to to use the run game a lot. We just talked about the three backs that they have. And in addition, Jalen Hurts is going to run fairly frequently, both on design plays and on pass plays that are undesigned, and he ends up escaping the pocket and scrambling. So there's only going to be so many passing attempts to go around and, and, and quite frankly I, I have I'm trying to see where I have Jalen uh, the Eagles passing game here uh, I right now project the Eagles passing game to have a total of I know this is this is this makes for great uh, about 30 just uh, 30.46 pass attempts per game uh, and, and I know that that can mean like that net number doesn't necessarily mean much to you uh, that to me puts them in the bottom five of the NFL in terms of total volume of pass attempts. And again, why does this matter? Because, and I will put this on a t-shirt one day when I start making t-shirts, but volume matters as much as talent. And you have to remember that volume slash opportunity matters as much as talent. And this is the case where I have the struggles here because I love Devonta Smith. I think he is a star in the making, but given the limited volume of passing in this, in this game, 
the targets I anticipate A.J. Brown is going to command, the targets I anticipate Dallas Goddard is going to command, I'm just not sure we're going to get – we're not going to get consistent Devonta Smith production. I think we'll have Devonta Smith weeks, but I'm not sure we're going to get a consistent enough production to put him in as a weekly starter. Like right now, he's outside my top 40 wide receivers for week one. That sucks because there are less talented players I have ranked above him. And I hate doing that. But I'm, I'm just – all that stuff concerns me. So something to be aware of as we go through that game. Next up is the Colts and the Texans. Uh, I mean, this is going to be a weird one. Like I'm – I think I'm lower on Matt Ryan this week than most. I'm just I just don't think the Colts are going to have to throw the ball that often. I mean, that's what scares me here. I know everyone's like I've seen people like, "Oh, I'm starting Matt Ryan over Derek Carr. I'm starting Matt Ryan over, you know, Matthew Stafford. I'm starting Matt Ryan over Aaron Rodgers." I'm start like I just I don't think I would. I really don't. I have him all the way down at QB 25 and uh, ECR has him at 19. I just don't think this is the week for Matt Ryan. I just think that now it's very possible he dominates the first half of this game and then gets you, you know, 80% of your points in the first two quarters and, and and you can rest the rest of the way. That's in the realm of possibility. But to me, I just think the Colts are just going to run the ball down Houston's throat and Houston's not going to have enough offense to keep up. And it's just not going to cause Matt Ryan to need to throw the ball a bunch or for Indianapolis's offense to get that creative to open the season with a victory. So uh, I, I'm, I would just say temper your expectations for him. Uh, you're playing Jonathan Taylor, but Damian Pierce is the is the is the fun one uh, to talk about for this game. Uh, he comes in to me at RB31 for the week, so he's probably he is in the flex conversation for you. Uh, if you play in a multi flex league, I think he's definitely heavy in that conversation, and I know a lot of people are going to be excited to play him. There's a lot of hype. A lot of things have gone into him getting this RB1 role. He's really not going to lose that many touches. Like you might see Rex Burkhead get a, a little bit here and there, but you're not going to get a lot of his touches taken away. But again, how often is Houston going to be able to run the ball in this game? I, I'm just not sure. And Indy's defense was was, was fairly solid uh, last year against the run. They were one of the better teams in the NFL against fantasy running backs. So I, I'm excited to have him on my roster. I'm not as excited to play him this week. Uh, I, I think if, if you're sitting on uh, you're sitting on a Kareem Hunt, if you're sitting on a Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Ramondre Stevenson, Antonio Gibson, uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, I, w- I would confidently play those guys over him this week and kind of wait and see how things play out there. But um, that's really the kind of the, the to what you need to know about this game. You know, Cleveland, Carolina is the next one up here. I'll be perfectly honest with you. It's really about health. Can Christian Does Christian McCaffrey look the same? Does he stay healthy through the game? That's really all I, I'm looking forward to at this point. Um, you're probably playing Amari Cooper, but I would I would temper your expectations. Would Jacoby Brissett at quarterback? Uh, I, I have Cooper coming in as my wide receiver 28. So to me, he's a flex play. You're gonna probably you probably have two receivers better than him on your roster. So and even if you don't, he he's a low end wide receiver too for you. But temper your expectations there. Uh, but I it really this game is going to be all about the running back. No, okay, the narrative is going to be all about Baker Mayfield versus his old team and Deshaun Watson being out. So Jacoby Brissett has to start. That that's what the narrative is going to be around the game. The fantasy narrative. It's going to be around both top running backs here. 
two first-round picks for fantasy in Christian McCaffrey, who quite frankly is now pushing up to the number one spot in a lot of places, and Nick Chubb. I just got to see. I, I just want to see CMC look like himself and come out of this game healthy. That's what I'm looking for. Period. End of story. The quarterback matchup that I'm looking forward to, and it's not Baker Mayfield revenge or beating the you know what out of them. It's the Niners and the Bears at Soldier Field in Chicago. It's Trey Lance's first start of the season. First start as the true starter of the 49ers. Obviously, he, he played a couple games last year, but as the true starter against Justin Fields, who had, quite frankly, a sensational preseason. Yes, it's the preseason, but it was really, really good. And this is going. This game is fascinating to me for a lot of reasons because the reports about Trey Lance have been all over the place this offseason. And quite frankly, we have people at TDN that have got eyes on him in person, and those reports have differed. So th- there, there's a lot of inconsistency around Trey Lance going into this. This is going to be a tremendous opportunity. And, and I won't call – this is not as good of a matchup as people think. Chicago's defense is, is pretty solid, and I like the players they have on their roster – but this isn't a matchup to run from either. And I think that's an important piece of information to tell. I, I would consider this a neutral matchup for Trey Lance. So comes in my QB 13 this week, which means he's most likely starting for you if he is on your roster. I'm really intrigued. And it's not so much a treat as a runner. Obviously, you, you, would, you love that for the fantasy production totals that you're going to get. But what does he look like as a passer? What does he look like as a decision maker? He has a lot of throwing reps behind the rest of that rookie class that he came in with, just in general, both in the college and in the NFL side of things. I'm very curious to see which Trey Lance is available for this game. Is it the Trey Lance that looks like the QB of the future that flashes? Or is it the Trey Lance that we heard reportedly have struggled at times and struggled mightily at times during camp? Cannot wait to see that. And obviously year two of Justin Fields started to come on as a fantasy asset late last season. Uh, he's being drafted right now uh, as a high-end QB2 for a lot of people, uh, even a low-end QB1 in some places. Um, I have him as my QB18 for the week, and it's more so like you start things start to bunch together once you get outside the top you know, 13 or so. So, But he, he's more of a super flex option. You probably have a better option in your QB1 spot this week, but I'm very curious to see how he does. Aside from Darnell Mooney, what weapons does he really go after? Is he throwing it more out of the backfield of David Montgomery? Is he targeting Cole Komet with consistency? Does Byron Pringle emerge as an option? We found out pretty quickly once Justin Fields got into game action last year that Darnell Mooney was his guy. Found out really quickly. I wonder if I obviously I still expect Darnell Mooney to be his guy again this year, but I'm very curious to see who that number two option is going to be. I think the assumption in the fantasy community is that it's Cole Komet. I can see that. But I haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on that so far. Next one up, the Jaguars and the Washington Commanders. And uh, the it's interesting that the team that ended Carson Wentz's season and run in Indianapolis last year, he opens the season against as a commander's starting quarterback. To me, it's going to be all about two running backs in this game. How does Travis Etienne look? And what is his role? And can Antonio Gibson hold on to the freaking football? That's what I'm watching. You know, Travis Etienne, like the Jaguars running back situation is going to be a fascinating one to watch. I, I want to see a also like does James Robinson play? How much does he play? All of those fun things. But 
I'm probably not playing either one of the Jags right away. They're both both running backs are outside my top 30 for the week. I just there are too many question marks for me. I'm not going to be overly excited to play either one of them. Uh, maybe as we get more clarity closer to the week, one of them pushes into flex territory. But right now, kind of tempering my expectations. Tony Gibson, I think, is, is a startable RB2. I know it's been a rough offseason. I know the fumbling issues last year were a problem. Uh, I know the second they drafted Brian Robinson Jr., that all that talk came up again. And then Antonio Gibson immediately goes out in the preseason and fumbles the ball. And it ends up, I mean, and at one point the spirals and he's playing on the punt team. I get it. But Brian Robinson's not playing this week or for at least the first four weeks of the season. I'm not sure when he's going to play. Jaden McKissick's going to have his role. But Antonio Gibson's going to be the lead back. And he's going to have to actively continue to lose this job. And I would have been way more worried about him if Brian Robinson was healthy and ready to play week one. But the fact that he's not kind of gives Antonio Gibson a little bit of a reset, a little bit of a mulligan to take back command of that RB1 job. The question is, does he do it? And if he starts fumbling again, it's going to be a problem. And so I would be cautious about having him. But for this week, for week one, I think he's worthy of being in your lineup as an RB2. Patriots and Dolphins is the next one up. And I think everybody's intrigued to see if the Patriots offense looks as bad as every report has indicated it has looked. You're probably not excited to play anybody in New England outside of the running backs. But I think both running backs are playable. Uh, Damien Harris comes in as RB20 for me. Ramondre Stevenson is RB23. I think they're both going to get plenty of work. I think Stevenson's going to get some passing game work as well. Damien Harris has high touchdown probability. Uh, I think both guys are startable, but you're probably not playing anybody else on New England with any sort of confidence. I guess maybe Hunter Henry uh, as well. He, he sneaks in as my tight end 13, but I don't think you're playing him with confidence. For Miami, we just want to see what this new look offense looks like. How does Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle look together? You know, what's Mike Jacecki's role? What's the running back situation? I continue to believe Raheem Mostert's going to get, if he's active in this game, it's going to get a lot of, a lot more work than people are anticipating. And he's going to have a lot of success in this game. Uh, if he plays, he's a top 20 running back in my rankings. Uh, I have, I have, excuse me, Chase Edmonds at RB26. I think he's going to look well. He's going to have a strong role as well. But this Miami backfield is going to be intriguing. I think Raheem Mostert's been ignored for the most part of this offseason. And I get his long injury history and the fact that, you know, he's still coming back from missing the season last year and hasn't practiced a ton, but he's familiar with that offense, has had success in that offense. He's one of the fastest players in football. Uh, I, in a game I think Miami's going to be winning late and they're going to be running the football, I think Raheem Mostert could have a, a, a sneaky good day and a sneaky good season for the Miami Dolphins. For the Steelers and the Bengals, looking at the wide receivers as always here. Uh, you know what you're getting with Najee. You know what you're getting with, with Joe Mixon. But the question is going to be for me on the Pittsburgh side, does Deontay Johnson get as many looks as he did with Ben Roethlisberger with a new quarterback? Does Chase Claypool solidify himself as the wide receiver too? Or does he allow a guy like George Pickens to start to elevate himself into that role? Pat Frymuth, does he take a step ahead this year? The Bengals, you know how to start with all the wide receivers. You know what to do there. But curious to see if a guy like Hayden Hurst now takes over that CJ Uzoma role in the Bengals offense. Can he do something of note? Can you know Uzoma started to late last year, and if you played DFS into the playoffs, started to be you know somebody to at least monitor. 
can Hayden Hurst, the former first rounder, be that guy for them this year? I think he's worth monitoring. Not starting him this week, but worth monitoring. Ravens and Jets in the uh, the Joe Flacco revenge game here. Again, I think this is another game we're looking at the running backs. How healthy is J.K. Dobbins? How much work does J.K. Dobbins get? You know, he comes in for me right now. I, I've been a little bull, uh, bearish on him. He comes in at this RB32 for me this week, which is about seven spots lower than his current ECR ranking. I just want to see him healthy on the field. I just want to see what kind of workload he's going to get. And the Ravens like to mix backs even when they're healthy. So even though I know Gus Edwards isn't there, they did bring in Kenyon Drake. They've got some other pieces there. I'm just, I'm not ready to fully buy in on the J.K. Dobbins train in week one. And honestly, I'm willing to be wrong on him in week one. He's probably going to sit on the bench for me just to see what he looks like. The Jets side of things, what's the Brees Hall-Michael Carter split when it counts for real? And it's not even just the snap split. It's what kinds of snaps. Is Michael Carter getting all of the pass catching downs? Is Brees Hall getting all of the early down work? Who's in the game in the red zone? Who's in the game inside the five? Is it drive by drive? Is it hot hand? Is it situational? These are all things that are going to play a significant role for me heading into the season. Um, And I'm really excited to see how this kind of plays out in that fashion. Last of the early games, the Saints and the Falcons. Um, This is a game. I, look, I'm just kidding. Like, there's there's not a lot of actionable advice in this matchup. You're probably not playing Mariota. You're probably not playing Winston unless you're in a multi-QB league or a super flex. You're playing Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think you should still be playing Cordero Patterson. I think the hate on him has gone too far. I think he's a perfectly capable flex option uh, and, or, or RB2, depending on what your, your situation is in, in your given league. But um, this week, probably a flex. But I, I'm not super excited about him. But most weeks, you're going to feel comfortable playing with him. Kyle Pitts is an every week start. Drake London and Chris Olave. Fun. I'm excited to see the rookie wide receivers. But really, this is not this is not a game where I think a lot of people, aside from Alvin Kamara, of course, are going to and Kyle Pitts are going to be resting a lot of their fantasy value on these guys. Kansas City, Arizona, plenty of fantasy volume here. Uh, to me, it is. about the wide receivers in Kansas City. That's all I care about for this game from a fantasy perspective. The wide receivers. You've got Juju Smith-Schuster. You've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You've got Mecole Hardman. You've got Sky Moore. Obviously, you've got Travis Kelsey at tight end. Who's on the field when? Who's on the field and what personnel? Who's on the field that often? What routes are they running? Whose role are they playing? I'm fascinated by this game because Marquez Valdez-Scantling to me is a guy that has super high potential, but he's also a guy that's been his own worst enemy in terms of drops and just not not being able to complete plays down the field. Now, normally we'd say, yeah, but you're going to a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, but he's also leaving a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. It's not like he was playing with a dope. So I'm curious to see how he gets used in this game. Is he going to be their deep threat guy? Is he used in a different way? How is Juju used? Because the way Juju used, was used early in his career in Pittsburgh was a lot different than what we saw the last couple of years when Roethlisberger couldn't get the ball down the field and Juju was like a five yards average depth of target guy. How is he using this offense? Had, does Miko Hardman's role evolve? He's been mostly a horizontal speed guy. Is he going to still be using that role or is he going to assume 
more duties. Sky Moore got a lot of pre-draft hype. Got two catchers, Mitch, attached to the end of his arm for hands, those 10-inch hands. You know, what kind of player can he be? That's what I'm looking forward to the most. Giants and Titans, this one is really about two players for me. It's about Saquon Barkley in the same way we talked about Christian McCaffrey, although I have some just overall concerns with Saquon Barkley, even when he plays that go beyond his injury history. But does Saquon look like the Saquon of old, or does he look more like the guy late last year that I thought was looking inferior at times to Devontae Booker in the same backfield? So I'm curious to see how spry he looks, how fast, how agile he looks. Obviously, he wanted him to come out of this game healthy. On Tennessee side, no rookie wide receivers had a more questioned offseason of the elite guys than Traylon Burks. Between the stuff that we heard about uh, the breathing issues and being in shape and where he was on the depth chart and how much, how deep in the in preseason games he was playing and all that. Now the games count for real. You're not going to be on the opening two guys. Nick Westbrook and Robert Woods are going to be the opening two wide receivers. How much does Traylon Burks play and how does he look when he plays? This will be set the tone for the early part of the season. Green Bay, Minnesota, which Packers wide receiver steps up? I think it's Alan Lazard. I've been high on Alan Lazard all offseason. I think he's going, to, he's going to be the guy that Aaron Rodgers is most familiar with. I think he has the best chance to lead them in touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, I should say. Uh, I think he's going to be a big play threat there. But who else? You've got Sammy Watkins. You've got Randall Cobb as aging veterans. You've got Christian Watson, but he missed most of training camp in the preseason. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of early contributions from Christian Watson. Romeo Dubs was amazing in the preseason and amazing throughout camp. Does he assume a bigger role right out of the gate? You know, that that one will be very intriguing to me. And on Minnesota's side, I think really the only question is going to be how much does that wide receiver three get used? We've heard a lot of talk this offseason about the way the Rams use 11 personnel and the heavy involvement of three wide receiver sets in Kevin O'Connell's offense. Does that mean K.J. Osborne is in flex consideration every week? Or are we overrating that? I think we'll have a better idea once that game ends. Raiders and Chargers caps off the the late afternoon slate. And really, we're just having fun in this game, right? Got Keenan Allen. Got Mike Williams. You got Devontae Adams in his first game with the Raiders on the red throw. Austin Eckler out of the backfield. Justin Hurt. Like, this is just going to be a fun, fun game to watch. This was an, an unbelievable game in the last week of the season last year unbelievable overtime game. And hopefully we get that sort of dramatic output again this coming week. Sunday night game is Tampa Bay at Dallas. And I think all eyes in this game are going to be on obviously the quarterbacks, but the fantasy eyes are going to be on two players. They're going to be on Ezekiel Elliott for Dallas and Julio Jones for Tampa Bay. Let's start with Julio Jones. Uh, I've been perpetually lower than him these last couple years, a lower on him than consensus. Uh, I do have concerns about, A, the hamstring injuries and the soft tissue injuries that he seems to suffer on a, on a continuous basis nowadays. What his actual role in this offense is going to be long-term, will Chris Godwin play in this game, obviously? Will, will 
and Russell Gage, both those guys will depend. If, if Julio Jones comes in this game as the wide receiver two versus the wide receiver four, we're talking about an entirely different story against this Dallas secondary. So that'll be the thing that intrigues me the most. And on Dallas' side of things, what does the Zeke Pollard split look like? You know, we've heard Jerry Jones say a lot of nice things about Ezekiel Elliott this offseason, but I also know what our eyes have told us about Ezekiel Elliott these last couple of years. No Tyron Smith is going to hurt the run blocking of that offensive line in Dallas. This could be uh, this could be a narrative starting game if Zeke does really well. This could also be a narrative forwarding game if he's bad. And things can get really bad really quickly around the Cowboys and around their running game in particular. Very intrigued. And this is a tough matchup. The Buccaneers have been elite defensively the last few years against running backs and the run in general. So it's a really tough way to open the season, but it'll say a lot about, at least usage-wise, about where Dallas feels they are with Zeke and Pollard in their backfield. Then we'll cap things off on Monday Night Football. Russell Wilson returns to Seattle as a member of the Denver Broncos. I want to see what Seattle's backfield looks like. A lot of questions about who's going to play in this game between Rashad Penny and, and Kenneth Walker. What does that backfield split look like? And, you know, with Gino, we got a little bit of taste of him last year, but will Tyler Lockett's value continue to plummet like it did once Gino took over at times last year? Where DK kind of got his, not to the same level as it was with Russ, obviously, but DK got his. Tyler Lockett really didn't. And Tyler Lockett's been very boomer bust as a fantasy player anyway, and I think that's only going to get worse in these scenarios. And, and for Denver, is this truly the Javante Williams show? That's the last piece of information that I need to know. Is this truly the Javante Williams show or is it going to still be this 55-45 split? All the indications are the split will not be like it was last year and it'll be very much in favor of Javante Williams. But until I see it, I'm going to remain just a little tiny, tiny, tiny shred of doubt is going to be in the back of my mind. So it is what it is. But I'm very much looking forward to week one in the NFL. I cannot wait for us to get going. Remember, Thursday night, the Rams and the Bills open up the season. On Wednesday, you'll get a brand new episode from Ray and Keith. But until then, good luck this week. Good luck for those of you that are still drafting. This is a huge – this was, a, I know, a huge draft weekend that just wrapped up. But I know there were people drafting all the way up until the start of that Thursday night game. So good luck if you're drafting. For those of you that are already drafted, start looking at potential lineup combinations, maybe some DFS plays that you like, and make sure you check out my rankings for week one and for the draft for those of you that are still drafting over on the draftnetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab. I'm Jamie Eisner. Thank you once again for joining. If you like this episode, please rate it five stars, leave a review. You know it helps the algorithm. It helps us get our show in front of more people. It is very, very much appreciated. Thank you all. Happy football week.